today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. who find themselves in high positions, yielded to temptation. He began to confuse his role with himself. He started off seeing himself in the proper perspective with God, and soon he was seeing himself as bigger than life. Reaching up high with arms open Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. Dealing with grief and fear are never easy to overcome. If we spend all of our time worrying about the outcome of our finances or the report from a doctor, we can quickly develop a spirit of hopelessness. In today's message, Pastor Ed gives us advice on ways to look past the hardship and towards the finish line. This Christian journey is not without trial, but when we put our hope in Jesus Christ, He gives us the courage to continue on. Ask God to help you persevere. He will bring you through. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. We're starting our series today on the life of David. We're going to look at the 16th chapter. The story is resting. David, in this secluded village, is called out and singled out by the esteemed prophet Samuel. The prophet pours the anointing oil upon him. The onlookers don't really understand it. You remember that Samuel was the founder and presiding president of the school of the prophets. Maybe he was preparing David to be enrolled as a student at the school of the prophets. They didn't really know. God kept it a secret. Except, except for Samuel and David. I could picture when the anointing happened and the oil flowed over David, Samuel leaned over and said, David, you're the next king. God's ordained it. And he kept and hid that in his heart. Now David was anointed three times. First as a teenager... At 16 years of age, and then 14 years later, when Judah acknowledged him in Hebron as the king of the southern kingdom, and then another seven years later, over the northern tribe as well, Israel, when they were brought together. So for 14 years, this anointed resided on David, and he knew that he knew that he knew. That God had destined him for a very unique role. Now, don't feel left out. 
Don't feel excluded because Paul the Apostle lets us in on a secret. No, it's a secret because many Christians don't think about it. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 21 to 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. His seal of ownership on us put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to become. David knew one day he would be a king. And you know in your hearts one day you will reign with Christ forever and ever in heaven. That hope resides, that hope strengthens you, that hope keeps you in the journey we call life. As we think of David, I think about how God blessed him and anointed him, but also I think about Samuel, the instrument of the anointing. There's a lot of characters in these verses from the end of chapter 15, verse 34, all the way to 16, 13. You see God, he's overseeing everything. He's speaking, he's directing, he's watching every minute detail. Uh, There is Saul's presence, even though he is not there. And there's Samuel. And then there's a little unknown boy. Now, the first time we hear his name is in chapter 16. His name is David. But his amenity will not last long. In fact, he will come to dominate Scripture. About 61 times in the New Testament he's mentioned. And there's more written about David in the scripture than any other character except for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's the instrument of the anointing, Samuel, who brings God's message and God's hope. And there is the recipient of the anointing, David. I'd like you to look with me at the instrument of the anointing. Samuel, God has a mission, he has a task, he has something for him to do. But there are some obstacles. Before Samuel can do it, he had to overcome. Look at verses 1 to 3 in your biblical text. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. God's speaking to Samuel. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Notice that last phrase. You are to anoint the one I indicate. Now Samuel could have said, wait, I have two sons. I think I'll anoint one of them. Or, you know, I've observed the household of Saul. And though Saul is a bad apple, his son Jonathan is a wonderful example of a man of faith, a good character. He'd make a great king. It wasn't Samuel's choice, and it never is. It's always God's choice on whom he chooses and whom he lays his hand upon and whom he decides to lift up. 
Samuel was a kingmaker, anointing the first king and then the second king. Uh, he was a prophet maker in the sense that he established a school of the prophets that continued for decades and centuries that impacted all of the nation. But it is always God's prerogative to choose the prophet, to choose the king, to choose whom he will to do what he wants done. But there were some obstacles. Obstacles that he had to overcome before he could do what God wanted him to do, before he could be the instrument God wanted him to be. Look with me at verse 35. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord was grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. He was overcome with grief. Now perhaps he remembered the day that he discovered Saul. What potential this man had. What a bright hope, a a rising star he was. He was a humble man. And he had qualities and gifts, head and shoulders above others. A gifted leader. Someone destined for greatness. And so he remembered the humility of Saul when Saul hid in the stuff and didn't want the limelight. He wasn't busy trying to climb the ladder of success. No, no, no. Saul was was not like that. But Saul, like so many who find themselves in high positions, yielded to temptation. He began to confuse his role with himself. He started off seeing himself in the proper perspective with God and soon he was seeing himself as bigger than life. And soon he began to become a law unto himself. God said, destroy the Amalekites utterly, completely, the animal, the livestock, everyone. And he goes... And halfway obeys God. He saves the king. He keeps the best of the livestock. He opens the door to compromise. And sin begins to wrap its tentacles around him. And you see this once giant of a man begin to crumble on the inside. And Samuel remembered that. He remembered the giftings and the abilities and the bright hope that he had when Saul was coronated king. And he's weeping and he's grieving and he's overcome with sorrow. And he could see the direction Saul was taking the nation away, away, away from God. And he knew the consequence to the nation. And so he sorrowed, and he wept, and he cried. And God said, stop it. Stop it! Sometimes, as Christians, we can grieve too long. A prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. And as a parent, you're overcome. 
with where your child has gone. A broken marriage, a failed relationship. And you just grieve and grieve. A loss of a loved one that just seems to hang over your head like a a dark cloud. If we're going to be able to serve God and move on with God, there are times that we have to simply let go of the past. It'll keep us from the present and it will rob the future. And there Samuel was. He had to let go. Maybe um, some of you are there. You have to turn the page. You have to begin a new chapter. You have to let go of those things that have hurt you so deeply that you mull over them and think over them and rehearse them so that you can't move forward. Hear God's word to Samuel. Stop, Samuel. Stop. This next thing that struggled or caused Samuel to struggle with uh, surprised me. But as I looked at the text, I thought about how difficult all of the things that he struggled with, how difficult they were to deal with. A.W. Toza said, there are such things as consecrated griefs, Sorrows that may be common to everyone, but which take on special character when accepted intelligently and offered to God in loving submission. That's what he had to do. God, I give you Saul. I give you the past. I give you the grief. But there was something else he had to give God, surprisingly so. Samuel was an older man now. He was no young whippersnapper. I mean, his gray hair and gray flowing beard, he had seen many years. And look at the next thing that he had to overcome. It's found in verse 2. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. Hmm. Now, you need to go back to the series on the Ten Commandments on lying. What constitutes lying? Samuel is saying, if I go to Bethlehem, even though it's an out-of-the-way town and little village and nobody knows about it, if Saul hears, my head's off. I'm on death row. Listen to what God says. Take a heifer with you. Say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Hmm. It's an important truth here. God was telling Samuel, Samuel, you don't have to tell everything. You don't have to tell the whole story. Saul has forfeited the right to know my intentions and will. Sometimes as Christians, we can be overscrupulous. Overscrupulous in that we feel like, oh, we've got to tell everybody about everything and we have to be completely transparent. Now, there are some that are very skilled at putting you in a corner within questions and drilling you one by one and another and another, and you feel like, oh boy, I want to escape. Maturity tells us that we don't have to say everything about everything. 
There are some things that, like Mary in Scripture, you hide in your heart and you keep it there. There are some things that God shows you that you just hold on to. So God said to Samuel, Samuel, you just tell him you're going to go off, have an orphan there and you're going to do that. And so Samuel remembered what God had said to him and he rehearsed it. Now, he didn't rehearse his fears. Our difficulty is this. We rehearse our fears. The doctor says, oh, I'm a little concerned about this. Oh, a little concerned. Oh. We grow and grow in our minds. Or like Samuel, what surprised me especially about this was Samuel was afraid to die. And I'm thinking, what, what courage he faced Saul. I mean, he stood face to face, toe to toe, and rebuked the king. Samuel was a man of courage. But there are moments of weakness in our lives where suddenly we find ourselves at times vulnerable. Maybe you're afraid about finances. You watch this shaky economy and all that's happening. Maybe the fear of losing a job. Maybe it's the fear of sickness. Or like Samuel, Maybe the fear of death. Well, let me give you a little suggestion on that one. Don't think and rehearse in your mind the hospital bed or, you know, the hospice situation that you might be in or the funeral service or even the graveside service. Don't even think about the meal that they'll have after the graveside service, even though it'll be a big shindig. Uh, Don't think about it. No, fast forward the DVD beyond those events to the moment you will see him face to face. Oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace. We used to sing. There is that hope that you and I have as Christians that when this journey is over, we will be in the presence of the Lord. Even this godly, good leader had to overcome fear. Saturate yourself with his word. And ask God, whatever that fear might be, his advice. And then replay, rehearse, review that in your mind over and over again. He had to deal with grief. He had to deal with fear. And maybe some of you aren't dealing with any of those things. But this next one you are. Because it plagues all of us. It has plagued the human race since its very beginnings. In order to be an instrument in God's hand to bring a blessing to others, you have to overcome this. Overcome our perceptions. In verses 6 to 7, it says when the whole family had gathered together and there they were in that little village of Bethlehem, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. I I love the way Max Locato put this together. And I just want to read to you the interview. The scene has a dog show feel to it. Samuel examines the boys one at a time, the canines on leashes, more than once ready to give the blue ribbon, but each time God stops him. Eliab, 
the oldest, seems a logical choice. Envision him as the village Casanova, wavy-haired, strong-jawed. He wears tight jeans and has piano keyboard smile. This is the guy who said all things. Wrong, God says. Benadab enters as brother and contestant number two. You think a GQ model had just walked in Italian suit, alligator skin shoes, jet black, oil black hair, want a classy king? Benadab has a bling bling. God's not so classy. Samuel asks for brother number three, Shema. He's bookish, studious, could use a charisma transplant, but bursting with brains. He has a degree from State University and eyes on a postgraduate program in Egypt. Jesse whispers to Samuel, Thou Victorian of Bethlehem High. Samuel's impressed, but God isn't. This culture is so geared to look at the outward, so geared to look at what men see on the outside. They're looking just at what men look at. We're all like that. We know the adage, we've heard it, but we ignore it. Don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yet we do. Did you see that hunk? I mean, he's eye candy. Don't choose your mate on the basis of their looks. Choose it on the basis of their love for God. On their heart towards God. Because if they'll love God, they'll love you. If they'll be faithful to God, they'll be faithful to you. I I could still remember like it was yesterday. An elder that I knew very well who was in charge of a search committee. Of a church that I had previously pastored many years ago. He was so disappointed. His name was Brother Lundy. They were interviewing potential pastoral candidates. And he came grief-stricken to me. He said, oh, I am so upset. We interviewed a pastor. He spoke like a pastor. He acted like a pastor. He looked like a pastor. Gray hair, handsome, you know. And I thought, what does a pastor look like? All sizes, all shapes. Oh, come on. Samuel was no novice. He was one of the great prayer warriors of the Old Testament. He was ranked with Moses and Jeremiah. He was spiritually discerning. But yet, like all of us, he was so prone to look at the outward. Gene Getz says, our goal in all of our people choices should be to develop God's perspective. Guess what? You, me. Building in faith. As Dr. Ed Jones continues to take us on a journey through the story of David, we continue to learn more about what a life lived for God can look like. David wasn't perfect by any means, but God used him in powerful ways, and he can use you too. We do hope that you've been blessed by today's message on Building in Faith, and invite you to visit our website to learn more about our ministry. 
Our web address is buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find an archive of previous messages available to listen to or download, or even share with someone you feel will be impacted by the message. Be sure to find us on Facebook as well by searching for Faith AG2. We know how important social media is in people's lives today, and by liking us on Facebook, you can keep up to date with all that's happening at Faith Assembly. We'd also like to invite you to join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area for our weekly time of fellowship, Bible teaching, and worship of our Savior. We meet each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., and have many activities for all ages and all walks of life. Give us a call for directions and to find out more about our congregation at 845-462-5955. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us again here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the Word of God, sharing with us new chapters in David's story. Your Word restores and heals, transforms, rebuilds, and it makes a Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit.